You're listening to a sermon podcast from Sovereign Grace Church in Bradford, Ontario. For more info, visit sovgracechurch.ca. All right, so we've been in our sermon series on gospel foundations, on on how to understand and apply key truths in Scripture. In the last couple weeks, we've seen what the Bible says about biblical fellowship. Pastor Josh has has taught us on how to uh, point out evidences of grace in each other's lives, to see who we were, who we are now in Christ, and who we will become. And then last week, he, he told us about how to, what the nature of gospel revealing biblical fellowship is like. And this is what Galen was reminding us earlier, that it's, it involves testifying to God's goodness. It, it involves obeying God's commands and also confessing our sins to one another. And we saw the true biblical fellowship comes about as we celebrate together God's goodness in the gospel. And this, and if you are at prayer meeting this Wednesday, that we got to experience a bit of that, even, even on Zoom. We were able to testify to God's goodness in our lives. We had people sharing evidences of grace in each other's lives. Um, and especially in a time where a lot of our time is spent doing mundane and repetitive activities, this is a real highlight in my week. And today we're going to look at another vital and precious means of grace that God has given us. And that is worship through song. Now, our entire lives are to be lived in worship to God, responding to God's goodness in Christ. And this is manifested in, in many ways, through, through prayer, through, through service. But one of those ways is worship through song. And during this time of physical distancing, Singing together as one of those ways that we worship, that has drastically changed. You know, many, many weeks we've listened to a guitar, no matter how well it's played, that sounds like a harpsichord. Many of us sing alone in our homes. Corporate worship, corporate singing is is not quite the same anymore. And what I want us to see today is that what we sing and how we sing is more important than where we sing. The content of our songs and our mindset as we sing is of fundamental importance in shaping us to be a gospel-centered and God-glorifying church. I know for for many of us, this is something that we already know, but I believe that this will be a, a timely reminder for us, especially in this time where corporate singing is very different. So with that, let's turn to our passage today. So we'll focus on Colossians 3.16, but I'm going to read uh, verses 15 to 17 for us so that we can get some context. So it'll be shown on your screen or you could look into your Bibles. So this is Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I'll read one more time verse 16, which is what we're looking at today. 
So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So the main idea of today's sermon, what I want to get across today is that singing Christ-exalting songs produces a flourishing Christ-following community. Singing Christ-exalting songs produces a flourishing Christ-following community. And we'll see that from our text today in three points. So first is singing steeps the gospel. And then we'll see that singing sanctifies fellow saints and singing prepares us for eternity. So we'll start with the first one, singing steeps the gospel. So, so far in the book of Colossians, Paul has spent the first two chapters expounding the gospel to the Colossian church. He has reminded them that they who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, they have now been reconciled to God by the death of Christ on the cross. They have been buried with him in baptism and have been raised to life through faith in the powerful working of God. And then after giving them doctrine, in chapter 3, he begins to teach them how gospel doctrine weaves its ways its way into their lives together as the body of Christ. He paints a picture of what biblical fellowship looks like. They are people with their minds set on things above, on Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. They love and they serve one another. They bear with and forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven them. The peace of Christ controls their relationships like we just read. And this is what a life of worship lived out in community looks like. It's a, it's a corporate, wholehearted, whole-bodied response to God's grace. And then in verse 16, our verse today, Paul hones in on what must be central in this community. And that is the word of Christ or the gospel as revealed in scripture. This is what God in his grace has done for sinful man in Christ. The truths of the gospel, Paul tells us, from the Bible are to dwell richly among believers in a local church. Now, we've we've probably all had tea or or coffee that, that was too weak or flavorless because It wasn't brewed or steeped long enough or properly. And when that happens, we we can't really enjoy the flavors and the aromas that come out of our drink. But the gospel in, in all its richness and its beauty must penetrate deeply into our hearts. We need to rehearse in in multiple ways who we were before God saved us by his mercy. Scripture, the word of Christ, the gospel, is is central to our corporate gatherings. As we gather together, we we read the word out loud, just like Julianne just did for us. We pray the word as scripture informs our prayers. We see the word visibly as we celebrate the sacrament, something that we, we miss doing together on Zoom. And we hear the word preached as it's being done right now. And lastly, as our passage instructs us today, we also sing the word through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, there's no way for us to precisely determine the distinctions of of these three terms. 
Many, many commentators will say that the Psalms find their roots in the Old Testament, that, that hymns refer to songs of praise to God or to Christ, and that spiritual songs could refer to, to more spontaneous melodies given by the Spirit. But what we can take away from this is that the song of the redeemed is to be sung in a variety of musical styles and arrangements. One single style of music will will never be able to fully capture the glories of God and how he saved us in Christ and made us alive by his spirit. So we sing, but but as I ran my hellbound race indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. We sing amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. And we sing, as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live, won through your selfless love. And the fact that we are, that we are shuttered away in our own homes, it doesn't make the gospel any less potent. It doesn't change the fact that God is powerful or good or kind or gracious to us. As we sing, we are reminded about, we we proclaim with our voices what God has definitively done for us in Christ. Our souls and affections are stirred and we direct our joy and our adoration to God with infinite gratitude, thankfulness in our hearts for our salvation. Now, the audience of, of, of our singing is, is primarily to, to God. Our orientation is predominantly vertical. We worship God because of who he is and his grace towards us in Christ. But the function of singing, as we'll see in our passage, is, is not limited to praise only, which leads us to our second point. Singing sanctifies fellow saints. So our passage shows us that singing also has a teaching and a corrective function. You know, we've just seen that as we sing, we sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. But Paul also tells us in our passage that as we sing, we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. So we not only have a vertical dimension, but a horizontal element to our corporate singing. Listen to what uh, David Peterson says about this. Participating in the edification of the church is an important expression of our devotion and service to God. And this is what we've been reminded about for the last few weeks. Our love and our service to God manifests itself in our ministry and love for one another. Our musical expressions of faith and thankfulness to God are at the same time the means of teaching and admonishing one another. And the goal, the goal of teaching and admonishing one another is for our maturity in Christ, which is our sanctification. So look with me a little earlier in the, in the book of Colossians, Colossians 1 verse 28. So Paul here, he's talking about his own apostolic ministry, his, his church planting ministry across, um, across Asia and Europe. And this is what he says, him we proclaim, him being Christ, 
Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. There's that, there's that phrase again. And the purpose of this is that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, Paul has his own specific God-given ministry of proclaiming Christ, of preaching the gospel to build up the church. And what our passage tells us today in Colossians 3 is that as we gather, each one of us has a God-given ministry of edifying one another through song. Christian, you you have a role in helping your fellow saints see and savor Christ. Not all of us get the opportunity to preach or to teach publicly, but we all have the opportunity, the the privilege really, to teach and correct each other through song. Now, now what does this what does this look like? So Pastor Josh reminded us, I think it was either on Sunday or during prayer meeting, that we not only sing with our mouths, but we also sing with our ears. And, you know, when we, when we do sing together in person, I'm, I'm so glad that the sound team, they turn down the volume of the music team so that people can actually hear each other singing. So when we sing, when we sing, we, you know, we just sang, riches I heed not nor man's empty praise. We are, we are instructing each other not to chase after material wealth or man's applause. This is something that I need to be reminded of constantly. When we, sing, when we sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, we instruct one another to maintain a proper reverence and a fear of God, something that a lot of times we, we lose sight of. When we sing, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, we're admonishing one another not to live in condemnation because our sins have been paid for by Christ. You know, when, when those of us who have lost jobs or have unfulfilled longings sing, All I have needed, my hand, thy hand hath provided. They teach us, they model for us what it means to sing with faith. That we have no lack because the Lord is our shepherd and our provider. And when we sing, He'll not let my soul be lost, His promises shall last Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. We encourage our brothers and sisters struggling with assurance of salvation. We remind them that the trying God is able to keep them, ultimately keep them from stumbling, and that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so at, at our church, even in our services here, our time of singing is, is not a concert or, or production where our attention is, is solely fixed on the music team or now a single guitarist. The members of, of our music teams, they understand that our role is not to do the singing for the congregation, but to support the singing of the congregation. Devin Coughlin, one of our one of the music leaders in our family of churches, he calls it the support the singing team. It's a clunky name, but it gets the point across. The teams up front, they provide guidance musically as they lead all of us to see the glories of God in the face of Christ and express it together in song. And our music teams facilitate our corporate ministry of mutual teaching and instruction to one another. And that is why, that is why it is so important for us to sing good songs, to sing the best 
songs. Theologically robust and Christ-exalting songs. The music leader needs to, like, like Galen did today so well, the music leader needs to exercise wisdom in choosing songs so that we not only give God the glory He is due, but we can also wisely teach and admonish one another in song. The music leader at our church, the music leaders, we have a, a lean list of songs that we have examined and we have vetted together. We look for songs where the lyrics have, have theological weight and not just catchiness. You know, I, I bet there aren't many pop songs today that, that cause you to raise your hands in adoration. And we keep songs where the, the music serves the lyrics instead of distracting from or overpowering them. And we try as, 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 as best as we can to have arrangements that are comfortable range for everyone to sing together comfortably. Now, Paul here, he, he primarily has the corporate gathering in view in our passage. But we know that the effects of singing Christ-exalting songs goes beyond the walls of a church building. The, these truths, these promises, they will linger long after we've sung at home when we're watching a screen. You know, you won't remember every word of the sermon, and, and, and in a sense, I, I hope you don't, but you will remember lyrics. It might be difficult to memorize all of Psalm 46, but for those who have sung it before, we will remember the lyrics to A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. You know, and, we, and when we spontaneously burst into song, and, and I know we all do, whether in the shower or just working, we want the praise of God to fill our homes. When we suffer with discouragement or sickness, as some of us are today, and when each of us lie on our deathbeds, we want the comforting, the comforting song in our hearts to be rich with truth and promises from Scripture. Our corporate singing, my friends, has a profound influence on how we live out our lives in Christ. So we've seen that we sing, we remember our past, and express thankfulness for how God has saved us. Praise directed to God. And we sing to equip one another now to grow into maturity in Christ. But as the third point we'll see is that we also sing to prepare us for future glory, which is our third point. Singing prepares us for eternity. We know, we know that the benefits of our salvation aren't fully realized here on earth. Right now, we, we do experience the blessings of, of Christ's righteousness, being declared holy before God, able to come into his presence through Christ as our mediator. We have the joy of experiencing fellowship, even though it's different now, with one another as our lives center around and reveal the gospel to one another. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, our comforter and our counselor, as he changes us from one degree of glory to another. And as wonderful as these blessings are, we know that there are more and better things to come. We who are raised with Christ, we seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We fix our gaze on the heavenly realities that will one day be ours in Christ. 
there comes a day when we will no longer need to teach and admonish one another in song because our journey of sanctification will be complete. The Spirit's work of changing us from one degree of glory to another will be finished. We will one day live not on this broken and painful world, but in a city whose name is the Lord is there, as it tells us in Ezekiel. Now we know God in part, but one day we will know him fully, even as we are fully known. Sin and shame will no longer mar our experience of fellowship with God. And we will all get to commune with the triune God face to face. That is a reality that we are looking forward to as Christians. And so we sing now to whet our appetite, as it were, for what awaits us. Listen to these words from A.W. Tozer. This is what he says. I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Anyone who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. So we sing now to prepare us for what will be our joyful, lifelong vocation. We won't see pharmacists or or lawyers or graphic designers in heaven. We won't see farmers or or bankers or teachers. Day, Day and night, we will sing praise to the triune God. And it will be the most enjoyable, the most pain free work that we have ever done. We won't be staring at the clock or waiting for the weekend to come. I wonder, does, does that not excite you? So now we sing, now we sing, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I will see thy lovely face. Can, can you imagine that? Freed, freed from sinning to enjoy unadulterated communion with God. We sing, now all the ransomed church of God will be saved to sin no more. That will be true of us one day. One day we will boldly approach the throne and claim the crown through Christ, my own. Now we sing, we we look to you, we look to you, you will come again to reign. And one day our faith, our faith will be rewarded. Our Savior will come again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we will reign with him. And one day our God shall live with us and be our steadfast light and we shall ere his people be all glory be to Christ. Our song, our song with with the angels and all the saints from ages past will be worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That is what we look forward to as we sing here in this life. So three, three brief points of application that I want to encourage you with. The first two influence the way we think, and the third is something uh, more practical. So three, three points of application. So number one, thinking about our singing during this season. 
Now, I know for, mo- for most of us, including myself, we, we lament the fact that now we can't hear everyone sing. You know, we, we tried it once on, on our prayer meeting, and it was a mix of, of joy of hearing other people's voices, but also, you know, our ears were cringing because it really sounded so bad. And the precious sound of fellow believers' voices is it's an encouragement that many of us do miss. But even in our longing, our longing to sing together again, we, do, we need to remember that, that God, in His, in His mysterious providence, has ordained our corporate singing to be this way and for this season. He somehow, he sees a way of bringing glory to himself through this. If it were by ourselves or, or small groups at home or when you know, we finally get to sing together as a large group, we can think about singing to encourage, singing to encourage. Now, one of the, one of the blessings stirred in a different way when I see a saint who I know is struggling with something, uh, for me, when I see those of us who have lost our jobs, when I see those of us who are praying for, for way, when I see them sing and declare truth, I am deeply encouraged by your family singing together. Think about how the very act of you singing can encourage all of us. The discipline and really the joy of regular family worship that includes singing together for everyone. It doesn't have to be long or complicated. You know, jo- Joanne and I, we've been, we've just been after, right after of our family and, and even our children to remind us of God's, we can express our joy um, over our salvation singing praise to you. We thank you that we get to, for our mouths to always be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day.